Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. Everyone, welcome to everyone on behalf of the team at Essentially Sports. Uh, today, I'll be interviewing a very well-renowned personality in the NBA community. Uh, he he covers the NBA as a journalist. He's been running a successful podcast for the past four years. And not forget that he's an NBA analyst as well. So, uh, it's a great pleasure to be having Mr. Brandon Scooby Robinson on our show. Thank you so much for uh, accepting our invite and uh, giving your presence here, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and uh, I'm glad to talk with you guys. I, I get alerts on my phone all the time. You guys are like always picking up my stuff. Yes, uh, so so we we at the NBA team at Essentially Sports we value your stories a lot. I mean, we we go through a lot of the stories which you write on a daily basis. So they they come as great value to us. What we've been focusing on is the fans' perspective. So uh, the things you write, the things you share to the world are of great value, and it it has certainly been useful to us. So thank you for providing with providing us with good content. So, my man, thank you, a pleasure. Uh, so uh, let me ask you, how have you been doing uh, amid the pandemic? It's certainly been a stressful time for all of us. Um, I've been doing good, honestly. Um, I've enjoyed being home, um, specifically because. Um, on top of all the things that you see me doing at like home and writing and, and, and podcasting, I'm on the road, you know, I'm on a plane. I may be in LA one day, I may be in Chicago one day, or I may be in Philadelphia one day. Um, to be honest with you, the slowdown has been great for just mental health and just being able to focus on one or multiple things sitting down. So I, I've been taking advantage of my time. How are you? Uh, I've been doing good. Thank you for asking. So one thing I wanted to ask you about this was uh, none of us saw this coming. None of us saw this pandemic, you know, just coming in and uh, taking a huge toll on each one of us. Um, many people have been changing their routines. You know, we've been locked down for like several months now. It's become a part of our lifestyle. So people have been like adapting to it. 
do you as an individual see you know a major change in yourself from a result of all of this do i see what say that one more time do, do you say do you see a major change in yourself or your lifestyle from what you've endured in the past few months um i think i've really paid attention to what's important and what's not um i think family mm. and i think family people family doesn't necessarily have to be blood family is your close friends who who become family i think you really sit and you realize who is important and why so i i think in that aspect be radio yes, um i have seen a, a change in lifestyle um but i but i also think um from a perspective of writing i think i have gotten better um at at writing instead of rushing because i'm trying to get to the next thing i'm i'm, I'm able to sit and really process things if that makes sense like i i really think that um the the biggest change is you know i'm home uh, but i've always been socially distant before it was a term i've always been you know in my home office making some things happen the only difference is i'm not running on the train i'm not getting in the car i'm not getting on the plane and i've really just been utilizing my time wisely uh so another aspect that we've uh, experienced through the lockdown is that many of us were forced to work from home so for some of us it's a very uh, different experience uh so there's obviously the plus side of it and the cons of it so uh in your perspective uh what what are the benefits that you found to be when working from home and what are the things that you know made you dislike it a, a, li- a little um i've always worked from home to be honest with you um i was working from home since 2008 when i graduated oh. undergrad um I went to grad school, graduated graduate school in 2011. So for me, this is an exercise in futility of just um basically doing what I have to do. Um I, I, I don't think there was a major change in working from home, but I do think that how I work from home has paid dividends specifically when it comes to relationships. Um the MBA in particular is a relationship business. and i can tell you that the conversations that i've had with front office people players um coaches and more um uh, was about things outside of basketball which tied back to basketball and so i think the slowdown from me really allowed me to just evaluate people and things um i i really do think that working from home is something that a lot of employers will be looking at is it imperative for somebody to fly to a certain city to meet where you can do zoom calls um you can do instagram lives and things of that sort so i i think working from home for me i feel zoom and instagram lives are the new tv and yeah. uh, and it's the digital tv and so i feel like working from home for me is great because i've been writing a lot but now the things that i put on paper or say in voice on my podcast people are now becoming more comfortable with seeing me and hearing my voice yeah. um as I'm saying different things so for me working from home in the pandemic has been great that's that's great to know so uh, i'm actually very curious to ask you this uh you you are you are commonly referred by your middle name which is scoop b so is there any significant story behind it would you 
would you like to share it with us? Yeah, so um, I started in the industry at 12 years old. Had a radio show with the New Jersey Nets when they were in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, they're now in Brooklyn. So what happened was um, I had a radio show at 12, and I used to be in the, in the locker room with players. Um, we're, we're talking like Kim Bay Matumbo, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan. My first year covering the Nets, working for the Nets was during the 97-98 season. That was the last dance. Chicago Bulls season. So I was around the Bulls back then. Um, and, and so basically, I had a show called Net Slam and Planet. So on Saturdays, we, we do the show live. Um, during the week, I would be in a locker room doing interviews with various players. And so the show was hosted with a, a gentleman named Albert King. He's an NBA legend, brother of Bernard King, and a woman named Lynn Wilson uh, who hosted the show. And I would just come back with loads of information just from things I would hear in the, in the home locker room and the visiting locker room. And she goes, you know, every great has to have a nickname. Goes, I'm going to call you Scoopy. Oh. And the nickname kind of just stuck. Um, you know, got that nickname at, at 12. Um, you know, in, in high school, uh, I, was, I had a column in, in the school newspaper and as a freshman and you know, the name of the newspaper, the name of my column was called Scoopy's NBA Beat. So every issue of the newspaper, I, I'd write something. And then, you know, over the years, just high school and to college, just really incorporating the word Scoop, you know, into Scoopy, into, you know, different facets. When I was an undergrad, I went to a small school in Pennsylvania called Eastern University. And, uh, you know, I made sure that my name on my door didn't say Brandon, it said Scoopy. Um, when, when the RA put the name on the door, I made sure that, you know, um, you know, just my, my set, I was announcing and DJing the basketball games at Eastern University and made sure that, you know, just Scoop B was something that, that, that carried weight and it's, you know, something that's carried to this day. It's become your identity. So we didn't know that you've been, you know, having it since you were a 12 year old. So I actually wanted you to touch in on that part where you you know, co-hosted the Net Slam in uh, Planet when you were just 12 years old. I saw a video clip of that. I mean, as a 12-year-old, you you were just tremendous. Your your hands weren't even shaking when you were holding the mic. You had so much confidence in yourself. Uh, uh, do you have any you know fruitful anecdote from from the past about you know the best moments from that co-hosting the Net Slam in Planet? Um, well, first and foremost, Dave. Um, faith to me you know, is important. I, I grew up in a Christian household, and you know, I believe that you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, I had good parenting around me, you know, and, and, and so you know, I auditioned for that that role, and I got it. And you know, I, I'll be honest with you, my I, I saw um, I got a crash course on just journalism and the NBA life. You know, at a young age, like, I, I, this is fascinating to people when I tell them, but, like, I remember being 12, um, being in a locker room with Stephon Marbury and Sam Cassell and, you know, uh, other people and, you know, sharing locker room space with Chris Broussard when he was at the New York Times and sharing space with Walsh, Adrian Wojnarowski, when he was at um, the, the Bergen Record newspaper in New Jersey. That was in the home locker room, and then you go across the way the visitors locker room when the Philadelphia 76ers were in town, seeing and being around Stephen A. Smith when Stephen A. Smith was at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm not their age, but I was about their age now when they were making their mark in the, radio. in the late 90s. 
you know, so for me, I, I feel like I've had the opportunity to um, be around the greats and to identify that those were going to be the people of, you know, the future, you know, in, in the 2000s and beyond. And, you know, now it's my time in this regard um, where I've learned something from a lot of them and I'm growing with people who are my peers now, which is a great thing. It's almost like being in a time, time machine, um, so to speak. But I, I think the biggest thing for me, honestly, has just been patience. You know, I, I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to um, interview greats and, and break news on things that um, are, are, are part of history. Like, one day my kids will be reading about the things in their history book that I recorded or that I yeah. recorded. To be honest with you, when you sit and think about it, that's pretty daggone cool. Um, but I, I'm honored, you know, I'm honored to, to be in that space and, and been able to follow my passion. So the number two thing aside from patience is um, gratitude and, and, and humility. I think in this business it's easy to be cocky, it's easy to be arrogant, uh, but I also think in the space of being you know, gracious or, or humble, um, it's, it's also taking somebody who is next up under your wing and, 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 and you know, basically paying it forward in that regard. So I think some of the antidotes that I've learned along the way is um, um, basically just being gracious, um, being humble, and also um, just, just trying to do things the right way. So you, you started your building block there and certainly you, you stand out as an example of a successful journalist in your respective field. That thing is for certain. You, you started your uh, Scoopy radio podcast in 2016. I did. E ever since it, it began, you've been going on a successful run. It's been amazing. Uh, we've, we've heard a lot of your podcasts. Uh, you've had prominent personalities like Alan Iverson, and Pete Sampras coming in on your show, that must have been very exciting for you. Uh, sure. is, uh, is there is there any any other prominent uh, person that you would love to have on your show in the near future? Barack Obama. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I hope I hope he comes on your show soon. It'll be rocking. I think it'll, I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Definitely so. Uh, in from the uh, episodes in the past, is there any f uh, particular one that is the closest to your heart from the people you've interviewed along the way? Um, I'll tell you that I the one interview that I think so. Just to give you uh, some background information, Scoopy Radio literally started. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. Okay, so Scoopy Radio started literally in a Timberland shoebox. So you're familiar with Timberland boots, right? Yes. Okay. So um, I used to tell people, yo, I started my journey at 12 years old doing radio with the Mets. Well, how could we find it? This was pre-digital, right? Yeah. So when I was doing my show with the Mets, I had a ton of like cassette tapes that I was just putting in the Timberland box. Um, and they were collecting dust in my parents' home. And so my producer for my podcast, DJ Manuel, was like, yo, we got to start digitizing your interview. So I had interviews with, like, as I said before, Jakebe Matumbo, BJ Armstrong. So many legends. Um, Scott Burrell, uh, Kendall Gill, a bunch of people. And so basically, 
I was at CBS Radio at the time. We, I basically had a podcast at CBS, but also Scooby Radio. So basically, we digitized those tapes, and it was more just an example of my life's work in one setting. What ended up happening was I got a phone call from a retired player who wanted to come back and tell a story about a beef that they had. And so the beef that the, the person that was with Tim Thomas, uh, retired NBA player Tim Thomas, he wanted to rehash the story about him and Kenyon Martin's beef years ago. And so what ended up happening was um, we started the podcast on Podomatic, and the, 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 the interview with Tim Thomas went viral. Like Jason McIntyre retweeted it, Bomani Jones retweeted it. It got a couple of write-ups and, and the big lead and a few other places. And what happened was we realized we have to take more ownership of our, of our content. So we bought the domain, domain name to Scoopy Radio, and it, it, you know, we basically, all the old interviews we put back on that site, and then it went through iTunes, Spotify, and everything. Tim Thomas, that interview was probably memorable, but, the, but in second place, and it depended on the day and how I feel, um, another interview that I feel really just um, really got some brand awareness uh, was an interview that I did with Kenny the Jet Smith uh, from TNT, retired NBA player, two-time NBA champion with the Houston Rockets. Um, Kenny and my family go way back, um, and so basically um, he felt comfortable. I asked him a question. Uh, basically the question was, Michael Jordan hadn't retired, would the Chicago Bulls still have won those two NBA championships? And he said we would have beat them, no question. Yes. That interview was all over the place. It hit ESPN The Jump um, and, and hit Bleacher Report, Up Rocks, and a myriad of other places. And to me, that interview wasn't even an audio interview. It was on camera. And, um, you know, he gave me quotes that people ran with. The timing was perfect. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a topic on the jump for, for multiple days on ESPN. Robert Orry spoke on it. Scotty Pippen spoke on it. Um, and a myriad of other people. Vince Carter spoke on it. So, for me, I think that was the moment where I, I was really appreciative. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even um, see it live. A friend called me, and I had my phone off. And when I turned it back on, he was like, yo, they're talking about your podcast on the jump. That's crazy. And it's like, it was cool. But, um, yeah, I think the Tim Thomas interview and the, and the Kenny Smith interview will always uh, be held near and dear to me just because, um, you know, those were the early starts of the podcast. And, you know, I'm thankful for, for the platform. That's great and awesome. Um, so, so far, uh, this year hasn't been great for any of us. It's been, it's been a downer, really. Um, in, in January, uh, the entire basketball world, you know, endured a very tough loss. When we initially heard the news about uh, Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashing, we none of us could believe it. I mean, I'm still, you know, lost for words thinking about that Kobe is no more. Like, may his soul and Gianna's and the seven others who were traveling, may his soul rest in peace. Um, how, how did you react upon hearing the news, sir? Did you, obviously you would have been in shock, um, but how, how, how exactly was it? How, how did you get to know about it? Um, so two parts. One, I actually called Kobe and the phone rang um, when, when he died. And so that was one. Two, um, I had reached out to a couple people in his family to see if it was true. What happened was I was with the Lakers the night before. Um, they were in Philadelphia playing the Sixers when LeBron James broke Kobe Bryant's scoring record. Yes. Um, and if you look back to just the time, the, the, the time frame, um, 
I had actually broken that J.R. Smith uh, had a workout with the Lakers. While the Lakers were in Philly, I had gotten that information. And so I had put that out. It was a great night. I heard Joel Embiid was coming back like that final week. I went home, fell asleep, and I got a call from Los Angeles from a colleague of mine that was like, school, can you verify that Kobe Bryant passed away? And I was like, huh? Like, yeah. heroes don't die. Um, so the answer to your question, um, I started in the business the year after Kobe, Kobe's second year in the league. Um, been around him. I went to college down the street from uh, Lower Marion High School, uh, right outside of Philadelphia. And so I know that landscape. And I've had Kobe's father on the podcast before. So for me, um, I was very tied and invested into him and what was going on. And within, the, and within 48 hours, I was mourning as a person who, who was actually a fan of basketball, a person who covers basketball, and a person who knew, knew Kobe, knew his family um, and friends, and had to do some TV that day. It, it was a lot to process. I'm still processing it. And to be honest with you, I feel like the world has not been the same yeah. since January 25th. It's absolutely true. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, so, after facing so many challenges, uh, the NBA ha- is taking a gigantic step towards resuming the season in the Orlando bubble. Uh, so, I think we'll be seeing NBA action in a in a few hours as the scrimmages are going to begin. So, I, I think it's been approximately about 130 days since the league, you know, was suspended. Uh, how how exciting is it to you that the NBA is finally returning? We've been about four and a half months without watching, you know, competitive basketball. I'm excited. I mean, there, there are scrimmages. Uh, the, the season officially known as the 30th, but the, the scrimmages do happen today. You know, the Pacers are playing today. Uh, that's a game that I am interested in watching. Um, I will tell you that, um, to be honest with you, I didn't miss basketball, but at the same time, I'm happy as that. You talk to some players Scooby during the pandemic. Some told me they hadn't picked up a basketball since. Um, the, the feeling up in, inside the bubble and, and a few players that I have spoken to with, they're excited to get on the court. Um, there are no players who are, who, who are positive right now. They are, they, you know, they have COVID-19. Um, Basketball is a career for many, but it started out as a passion for many. And um, anytime something is taken away from you, it's almost like you're on punishment. And um, you have to go to bed early, not watching TV, and, not, and, and what have you. So I think for many people who you know, love basketball, that's a part of the daily routine, it's cool. I think I've watched, me personally, I've watched so much basketball and involved in it, I enjoyed the break. But I'm happy it's back. Um, yeah. you, you get to look at the Lakers and you know, and the Clippers and the Bucks, teams that are um, you know, believed to potentially make up NBA Finals run. Uh, then you look at the underdogs like the the, um, the Portland Trailblazers, uh, who you know had dealt with injuries during the course of the season um, and are finding ways to potentially get that AC against a Memphis team that you know, struggled in January, but 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 have a surprise in John Moran, their star rookie point guard. So 
I think there are a lot of storylines that I'm interested in seeing. Yeah. With an official resume on the 30th, it's going to just today. Um, but, you know, basketball is a, is a, is a beautiful game. And, you know, to have it that, uh, it, it is great. So, uh, as you said, sir, uh, in a recent test conducted by the league, none of the players tested positive. It's actually very good, very good news moving forward. But there's one major question that is ringing in all of our minds, which is that, uh, will we see a smooth completion of the season? Or will there be any, you know, major or minor roadblocks along the way? Because the players will be in there for like about three months, more than that. We'll see. Um, I, I don't want to wish ill will. I'd be honest with you. Personally, I was apprehensive about it. Um, but it, I, you have to also remember that if the NBA season does not resume, the league will lose $2 billion. Um, and the other thing is, with the collective bargaining agreement, um, there's a, there was a chance that the owners could rip that up and that you know if there was no game played, um, you know, there could be a lockout the following season. Those who are paying attention, make sure you check out the Scoopy Radio podcast on Thursday um, because I have actually uh, Bismat Biyombo, uh, one of the vice presidents of the Players Association, on the podcast um, tomorrow, and we discuss um, just the process of different avenues that the players were, were discussing, what was what with the league, and more. Um, and I was enlightened. I have to be honest with you, uh, I learned a lot about the Players Association that I never knew, the role of the president, who's Chris Paul, the vice president, there's multiple vice presidents, Adi uh, Iguodala, Bismet Diombo, um, CJ McCollum, and the Brooklyn Nets' career. So a lot of things I'm learning on the fly, but th- that's the business side of it. Uh, the easy part is for the players to step on the court and actually play. Um, Mr. Robinson, your voice is a bit faint. Uh, can you, uh, it's a bit uh, low on volume. I mean, your audio. Said, what about the audio? You need me to turn yeah, it up? Yeah, it's fine now. Yeah, I can, I can hear you clearly. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, so another thing we heard is that uh, the players. Uh, so when, when you know, suppose if the Lakers and the Clippers are playing, so people from the other teams, the athletes from the other teams, can you know hop in and watch the game, hang around. So uh, do you think if suppose if say if you know Dame Lillard goes uh, to watch the Lakers play? Is there anything that might arise uh, from it? Do you see any, you know, uh, city chats happening between the players, you know, some something, you know, between them going on? So, I gather what you're asking me is, do, you, do I think that players can influence other players or where they may eventually end up? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this. Vinny Goodwill of Yahoo Sports wrote a good piece the other day. Uh, and he tweeted about how uh, some executives shared with him uh, that the, the bubble, something will come from it, is potential, you know, as, as it relates to free agency. We've seen this before. Um, you look at uh, the Banana Boat crew, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch. Um, they basically, you know, agreed to, to make things happen. I'll share with you um, that um, there was a vacation that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant took in the summer of 2018 where they decided that they wanted to become teammates. Mm. Um, and so that being said, um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, something comes of it. You look at Bradley Beal, uh, who, you know, 
free agent, who, who has the opportunity to either force a trade or be a free agent, or look at Anthony Davis. Um, you look at um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You look at certain guys, people hanging out casually, um, you know, playing video games on the court. Yeah, I mean, that's inevitable. You look at uh, situations like the Dream Team. Uh, you, those, are, those, are, those are summer ways to woo people. Um, and I, I don't think it's unfathomable that that could happen. Particularly Anthony Davis. Um, I was with Anthony Davis in Chicago back in November uh, at a Nike function where a, a, a kid from his high school asked him, he's a native of Chicago, Illinois, a kid asked him, you know, would you consider playing for the Bulls? And he goes, well, you know, I am a free agent this summer. Of course, this summer free agency, you know, carries over to October. Um, and when you look at the landscape of, you know, just Anthony Davis and what he could do, who's to say that he couldn't be influenced by, by a, a, a certain team? Um, you know, I, I personally think that, it's, you know, his decision to make moves could depend on, you know, what happens with the Lakers in, in the playoffs and, you know, potential finals and more, the same way it could for Giannis Antetokounmpo. You look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, his former head coach is Jason Kidd, who was an assistant coach with the Los Angeles Lakers. If Anthony Davis does leave, who's to say Kidd doesn't stay? But Kidd also, you know, did have an interview with the New York Knicks. All indications do lead to the fact that Tom Thibodeau could, you know, become the next head coach of the Knicks. I was hearing that back in January. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of puzzle pieces that could happen in the next couple of months. Conversations could happen. If I may, this is the epitome, you know, like summertime in the bubble is no different than summer camp or playing golf on the golf course. You, you never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. So uh, from, the, from the initial clips that we saw from the players, uh, they seem to have been enjoying the life inside the bubble. I mean, we saw players going fishing. We, we saw Patrick Beverly, you know, trying his hand at the arcade games. I mean, he was driving a bike. Uh, we saw many other fun activities from the players. Uh, can you give us a bit more insight on like what what kind of luxuries or if I may say, uh, you know, uh, what facilities, you know, top quality facilities that have been provided by the league for the players? Um, well, you look at uh, Matisse Thibault of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he is putting together a documentary um, through YouTube, uh, a docu-series um, that he's been, you know, using. So, you know, I've been on the 76 Zoom call since, you know, the beginning. And um, I, I, there are guys who have said, you know, I hope to make a cameo in uh, his documentary. And it's crazy wow. because Matisse Stiebel is very multimedia savvy and driven. Um, I, I told this story yesterday on a radio show. Um, Matisse, um, was on a red carpet at an NBA 2K party in Los Angeles back in September. And I was working the red car carpet before I went into the party, and I didn't know who Matisse Seibel was. He had a, a digital camera, he had a long, long, long digital camera, was taking pictures of Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, uh, and a bunch of other people. And when, and then people were like, wait, that's Matisse Seibel. Yo, you got to get on the red carpet too. And after he got off the red carpet, I pulled him to the side, and we just talked about his... Um, what he knows about Philly. He's a rookie at the time. And I think that, you know, this documentary that he's putting together is a good thing for camaraderie within the organization. On the Zoom calls, Matisse shared how he doesn't feel like a rookie anymore. 
Um, he, he shared how, you know, the rookie season was it ended right in March, and, you know, he's transitioning into um, year two technically, and but he feels comfortable, you know, and uh, Al Horford and, uh, you know, and, and, and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all those guys, they're all personalities within that Sixers locker room. Brett Brown's accent, you know, the heavy Northeast, heavy, heavy Massachusetts Boston accent. There are a lot of different idiosyncrasies within that team, and you know, I, I think that you know the way Matisse is using his time is, is brilliant. Uh, so uh, the NBA is going to get down to the business end of the season real soon. It's just a matter of eight days until the season starts. Uh, so the players are coming back after a very long break. It's been it's going to be four and a half months more than that. Um, do you do you think this year's championship will be tougher than any other year compared to what the players have come through to get back to the league? So I guess you're asking me about whether there should be an asterisk next to a, a team based upon. Yeah. So it's funny you bring that up um, because uh, you, you, it ties into your previous question. Dwight Howard has one of the most quotable Instagram lives um, that there is. I live there. Um, I tweet out things that he says, and what I'll tell you is um, he brought up the whole asterisk thing, and he said he feels as though there shouldn't be an asterisk next to somebody's name because this is the hardest playoffs that there will be, you know, in the sense of it's not the glitz and glamour of walking through the runway tunnel and you're seeing the, the fashion that players are wearing. Um, it, it, it's not um, a situation where uh, – you know, what's, what's normal to, 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 to your home, you know, arena and the visiting arena, and there are no fans. Um, what I'll say to you is, if people who say there should be an asterisk next to this year's NBA Finals needs to go back to 2000 uh, when the Spurs won it, or 99, excuse me, when the Spurs won it, because that was a lockout shortened season, the 98-99 NBA season. Yeah. And so when you say there was talk about there should be an asterisk next to their, their name, but the Spurs ended up winning again in 2003 and 2005 and 2007 and 2014. 14. Um, I, I legitimately do consider the San Antonio Spurs the New England Patriots of the NBA and vice versa. The Patriots are the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL. That being said, um, I think it's easy for critics to say that there's an asterisk without knowing the sacrifices. And this is what I'll tell you. If the Los Angeles Lakers do win the finals this year, as many people believe will happen, I don't think there should be an asterisk because look what they had to go up against this season. You literally brought in a brand-new head coach, and Frank Vogel, yeah. a brand new coaching staff, and Jason Kidd, Phil Handy, Lionel Holland, and more. And then you're in year two with LeBron James after a freak injury that happened last Christmas. You trade to get Anthony Davis, you, and, and it was a luck of the draw because, because LeBron James came back late and was hurt. You got that top pick in the draft, which allowed you to, draft, to, to trade that draft pick to the New Orleans Pelicans to get Anthony Davis. Basically, they got Zion Williamson and, and, and others. But then on top of it, um, 
You brought in Boogie Cousins, who got hurt and didn't play this season. You brought in Dwight Howard. You signed Katavis Caldwell Pope. You bring in Danny Green. Then you bring in the Mars Twins. Then you bring in J.R. Smith. Um, you bring in Deion Waiters, who I believe personally uh, will legitimately um, be a lightning in a bottle, will score at will, will create more, and will prove a lot of doubt is wrong based upon what happened earlier in the season in Miami. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Lakers deserve um, their flowers while they're living because um, they defied all odds. Oh, and I also did mention the death of Kobe Bryant was a huge roadblock. He is a former Laker, a future Hall of Famer, was close to LeBron James and, and many other players on that team. Um, I, I really do think that if the Lakers do win, it's deserving. Um, but I, they still have to go against the Clippers. They still got to go against the Bucks. Um, but I, I do think that the Lakers have a great chance. And I think if the Lakers win specifically, there should be an answer. So, so I can assume that uh, you, you're predicting for the Lakers to enter the finals from the West. So uh, who do you think will make it to the grand stage from the Eastern Conference? There are so many you know, top teams battling it out for the final spot from the East. I think that's the hard part. That's like our parents trying to pick their favorite child. Uh, <laughs> that being said, at face value, I do like the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but I think a sleeper team that people don't pay enough attention to is the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. I don't think people give the Raptors their just due because people assume that because Kawhi Leonard left Toronto and went to the Clippers um, that it was a done deal. The thing about the Toronto Raptors that stands out to me uh, is the fact that those guys actually were in Florida a month or so before all the other teams were supposed yes. to report to Florida, and they simulated what the bubble was supposed to be or what the bubble will be like. Um, I admire that a lot. I admire Nick Nurse's coaching. Uh, I, I admire uh, not just Nick Nurse's coaching, but I admire his story coming from the G League. Uh, to the big league. Literally, the Toronto Raptors picked Nick Nurse over hiring Jerry Stackhouse as their head coach. Jerry Stackhouse was already in their coaching system, and Jerry Stackhouse ended up going to Memphis and being an assistant coach, and now the Vanderbilt. Um, but specifically as it relates to the Toronto Raptors, I like Pascal Siakam. I've been saying this all year. Legitimately, Pascal Siakam is doing this year what Scottie Pippen was doing for the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan retired the first time, and Scottie helped lead the Bulls to the Eastern Conference semis against the New York Knicks in 1994. The Knicks ended up winning, this, winning the Eastern Conference and you know, lost to uh, the, the Houston Rockets in 94. Uh, but I like Pascal Siakam's stance, and they really impressed me um, in, in game one against the Pelicans this season. Um, I, I like Kyle Lowry. I like, uh, I think he is Mr. Raptor. Um, I like Mark Gasol. I like what he brings to the table. I like um, OG Ananobi as, as well as um, uh, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And I look for him, Rondé, to step up in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I just really think that the Eastern Conference is a, a buffet of different teams that can win it. But ultimately, I think the Bucks and Toronto are the two teams that are going to do it out. Philadelphia, to me, moving Ben Simmons to the power forward position is going to be interesting, moving Chick Milton to the point guard position, um, and how, you know, Embiid and, and Simmons are going to work out, out, out those kinks. 
uh, playing off the ball. I, I am intrigued by that, but I think ultimately it, it will likely come down to uh, the, the Toronto Raptors and, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, NBA awards, which haven't been given out yet. So the league announced that uh, the eight uh, regular season games, which they'll be playing, won't be a part of the counting. The voting has actually begun, I assume, if I'm not right, if I'm not wrong. So uh, the two main contenders that stand out this year are Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. Uh, there are there are, you know valid debates for picking both of them as the winners. Uh, who who do you think has the edge in this year's battle for the MVP? I think LeBron had the edge as the, the pandemic um, stopped play, but I think Giannis had the edge uh, throughout most of the season statistically, um, and because the Milwaukee Bucks have the best record. Um, but I think the advantage that LeBron James has had, um, the fact that he leads the league this, um, and um, he basically at 35 years old, people use age all the time, but 35 years old has reinvented himself. I really think that his leg injury made him really reassess some things and get stronger. Um, I spoke with Magic Johnson uh, a few months ago about um, LeBron's ability to legitimately play the point forward position for the Los Angeles Lakers. And I asked Magic if he reminds him of himself, and he said yes. If you remember, in the 1980 NBA Finals, Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson took over against the 76ers in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's absence and his injury and took over. And there are flashes of that that I see LeBron James at 35 years old. Now, Brandon Magic was a rookie at that time. Uh, of what I think this is the year of the radio. You look at Ben Simmons, you look at LeBron, you look at Giannis. Uh, but to directly answer your question about LeBron James, I'd like to see LeBron James win the MVP, but I do think that it's neck and neck right now. I do think going into the, 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 the NBA pause uh, back on March 11th, if you remember LeBron James went toe-to-toe the week prior against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, and the, the Lakers finally beat the Clippers. And that weekend, they also beat um, the Milwaukee Bucks, and Giannis got hurt in that game. Yeah. And I think that the Lakers were just starting to get you know, the right ingredients to the best uh, – dish of tiki masala that there was out there. And I think at the end of the day, if the Lakers can continue that level of success, um, I think they'll, they'll win the finals. But I still do think that in many writers who have the voting capability, uh, I think that Giannis is, is, is the guy that they, they're most looking at. And I think it's, a, it's the fact that Giannis stuffs a stat sheet differently than LeBron does. So I guess you and I, we are Team LeBron. <laughs> so I am um, Team LeBron, but I, but I think Giannis, I think Giannis had it throughout most of the year. That's true. That's true. But uh, LeBron is 35 years old. He he's actually he's currently playing in his 17th year, which is incredible. It's 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 actually amazing to see a 35 year old, you know, like LeBron James competing at the high, highest level. But uh, how, how many more years do you think he can, you know, carry on to play at that top level, sustain himself as the MVP contender like he is now? Five. Five years. So, so till 40. Okay, we, we hope that happens. It, it'll it be yeah, very, very, very exciting. It's just a different cat. 
I think um, us as journalists, writers, personalities, we know that um, many companies are loyal to their talent. LeBron James represents the era of the freelancer. That being said, he went from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, to L.A. Going to Miami was like going to college for him for four years. Second stint in Cleveland was grad school. Um, he's working on his Ph.D. in L.A. right there. And, well put. And I, and I, and I think that um, the, the PhD in LA is different because he has other interests as well. Basketball, of course, is an interest, but so is Space Jam too. Um, so is other TV rollouts that he's, that he's put out. And so I think um, this is where LeBron is starting to look very PhD-ish. Uh, and I think, um, I think he's in good shape. I think that... Um, his son is, his sons and his daughter are you know are, are creating their own brand and I think he's preparing for life after basketball. I think he's in a good space in Los Angeles. Uh, since since we're talking about LeBron James and Giannis for already MVPs, uh, let us take a moment to you know you know discuss about the future MVPs that can you know emerge in the league. I think Zion Williamson is certainly going to be one in the coming years. Uh, we've seen some incredible flashy performances from the amount of time that he's been able to play. Of course, he's been barred by injuries. That that hasn't been good on him. But he's he has showed us what he can do as a... He's just turned 20. So, uh, do you think Zion, he's definitely, you know, capable of, you know, becoming an MVP? How, how soon do you think Zion will be able to, you know, cement his place as the best, as the face of the league? I'm not sure. I think Zion brings a lot of excitement, though, and I think Zion's social media presence for this generation, age, youth age bracket, is what people try to compare LeBron James in AAU pre-social media writing guest entries in Slam Magazine. Um, I'm not one of those guys that likes to bash young guys or say that, you know, compare this person to that person if I can help it. However, um, I don't think that there is a clear-cut comparison to LeBron James because I think Zion is his own guy. However, when I look at Zion Williamson, the thing that intrigues me about him is the fact that he can't fill up the stat sheet, the fact that um, at his size he's able to do things that people don't expect. You know, I, I shared this with Charles Barkley in, in, in the summertime, and, and then we talked about it again back in February in Chicago. I spent some time with him um, in the green room at, 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 on the TNT set. You know, I said to him, um, yo, Zion plays just like you. He goes, man, get out of my face. I don't want to talk about that. Like, playing around. But, like, I feel like Zion Williamson is legitimately Vince Carter and Charles Barkley in one. And it's right. funny because um, – when I look at Zion Williamson um, and Charles Barkley, I just see an undersized power forward that's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that's able to handle the rock like a guard, push the ball in the break, post up. And like Charles says, Charles says that Zion is always moving at 100 miles per hour. He needs to move you know, at 55 sometimes. And I think 
that's hard for somebody to do when they've always depended on their speed to get to the basket. But the thing that has impressed me about Zion is what he's able to do in a half-court set. It also benefits you when you have a point guard that lines up all and you play alongside of Brandon Ingram um, and, and, and what have you. So I, I think he's in a good system. I think that, that when we look back at that trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers, I think we'll say that that trade worked out for both teams. Uh, it worked out for the Lakers in the short term if they win the championship this season and if Anthony Davis was defensive player of the year and if LeBron James, you know, wins MVP. But I also think that in the long term, in the next five to ten years, if everybody stays, it'll, it'll work. Brandon Ingram arguably is the MVP. Excuse me, the NBA's most improved player of the year. He made an all-star team this year, his first. Um, and Lonzo Ball is in a situation where he can finally play like himself. Not always easy to play alongside LeBron James when you're actually point guard by position. And so I, I've looked at the, the chemistry that Lonzo and uh, Ed, uh, Zion Williamson have, and I like it. Um, again, I don't compare Zion to Mike, excuse me, to LeBron. I compare Zion more to either Julius Randle or Blake Griffin. The exclusiveness. Yeah. So uh, can you can you name the three most exciting rookies that, you know, have impressed you this season with or without Zion? John Morant. Um, Kobe White of the Chicago Bulls. Um, Kobe, you know, shared with me, and I've talked off and on throughout the course of the season, and I remember sitting with him in the Bulls locker room uh, at the practice center back in November. And he actually told me at the beginning of the season that Kendrick Nunn was his pick for rookie of the year. And, um, you know, I think Kendrick Nunn is a guy that surprised everybody um, because he went undrafted. And I think Miami just came out of nowhere. And I think that's another team that when you talk about the Eastern Conference, I think Miami, by the way, is a team that is overlooked. Um, and many people scratched their heads when Jimmy Butler decided to go elsewhere um, and leave Philadelphia. So when I look at Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn surprised many people. I like the core of Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler uh, and, and some of the other pieces there, Andre Iguodala. I think the Miami is a piece away from uh, contending. But to answer your question about what the year, anybody outside of Zion, as much as I think Zion, you know, has, has had a great run this season, he hasn't played as many games as John Moran. I think John Moran is the NBA's rookie of the year. Flat out, no questions asked. Uh, I checked him out in Philadelphia back in February and uh, was just amazed at the combination of both he and Jaron Jackson Jr. I like that youth. Valus uh, Yunus is on that team. He's 27 or 28 years old and he's considered a vet on that team. And, you know, he's sunk John Morant's praises when he and I sat down to talk. And, you know, the thing that, that impresses me about John Morant is, you know, who does he play like? You know, in today's day and age, you know, it's easy to say Damian Lillard, it's easy to say Derrick Rose, but I, I like, I think John in the next 10 years, people are going to, the next, you know, big star that work with that couple of them, people are going to say, you know, that guy plays like John Morant. And, um, you know, I like John Morant, so the top three, John Morant, Kobe White, and um, Kendrick Nunn of the Miami Heat. John Morant is certainly a very exciting player to watch, indeed. He's shown us what he can do in his very first season, so I think we can expect a lot more from him in the coming years. Uh, so, like, 
during the initial period of the lockdown we i mean i think most of us were getting agitated that we had to stay home but that's when the last times at so the la- the 10 episodes that we got to witness you know it showed us it made us really relive uh, mj's great legacy uh, so did you i mean you would have obviously watched it so can you like uh, name a few uh, favorite moments from the docu series um the interaction with scott morell um i had scott morell on scooby radio and i had seen clips of the interaction with him and michael beforehand and i said you know this last day is meant to make michael jordan look like a bully and it's funny because um i called scott and i said to him yo you got a few minutes cuz um this stuff is fascinating he started laughing but he knew what i wanted to know and i i got to know scott when i was a child scooby um, radio the Mets, the, the 98 99 season and um i think I knew Michael Jordan was how Michael Jordan was, but many people thought he was Disney clean. And it's cool to see a, a more human side of him. But the thing about it is, um, who doesn't have potty mouth from time to time? Who doesn't say things that are that are not appropriate amongst their friends? But he's Michael Jordan, and I think there's this pressure to be perfect all the time. I'm glad that they showed that. Um I, a lot of stuff that went on with the Bulls I kind of already knew. Um I I'm I'm very cool with Jason Caffrey who played on the Bulls with Michael and, and Scotty. Um it, it's funny we would text back and forth during the documentary about different things and you know I every Monday I would write something that Scott would set or rather that Jason Caffrey would share with me. Um and it's it's insightful um that the bulls were able to be so successful despite multiple dramas that were going on i did not know the whole scotty i didn't know the degree of the contractual stuff with scotty pippen um i remember being around the bulls during the 97 98 season in particular i did a, a live tape a live episode of my show at the arena in new jersey um hours before they had a 1:00 or 12:00 game against the Bulls and I actually after my show played on the court and then just hung out in the Bulls locker room um with with Dennis Rodman and Ron Harper and um we walk into the Bulls locker room and we see Dennis Rodman sitting in the visitors locker room with one of those TVs that kind of rolls out like one of those old school substitute teachers on rainy days um TVs that you were watching the rain outside of school he was sitting in a folding chair in the style with pajama pants on he had ankle socks on with balls on them. and he had headphones on and so like when i was seeing that on the show it kind of just took me back to like my childhood then you walk in the other room there's a room that was closed off but if you open the door and you see Phil Jackson and they're talking the late Tex Winter was sitting in that office Michael Jordan was sitting in that office and i met Michael Jordan back then um and to me it was like it was a, a, a crazy moment because it's like wow you're not on my my TV on NBA on NBC and I, I didn't know what to say so for me it, it was nostalgic um for me uh I knew a lot of those Michael Jordan stories for me it took me back to my childhood and it was great to be in contact with people who were in the documentary while it was going on Isaiah Thomas and I were were, were texting back and forth 
Jason Caspi, uh, Scott Burrell, Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson came on the podcast and kind of discussed um, the, the preconceived notion that when he said 45 can't play like 23, he told me on the podcast a couple months ago that he was actually taken out of context and that that quote that was used was, was a misquote. And he also said that that was actually a quote that was set off record that was used in writing. That fired him up. That's yeah, so to me, like, it was more just nostalgia going back into the archives, but also, like, maybe um, the thing that I appreciated is my younger sister is 23. She's learning about this Michael Jordan guy as an adult. She knew who he was through me. She probably didn't remember him as a bull, but remembered him as, you know, a wizard. And, um, to me, it just was cool to go back to the archive and watch it. I mean, for me, you know, getting to know the little details that went behind winning the sixth championship, it was truly really phenomenal. I mean, when he delivered that emotional monologue, it literally gave me chills to, you know, see what he went through as a leader, as a teammate. Uh, it's unparalleled. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, the last dance actually reignited the GOAT debate. So it's been going on for uh, a few months. Not saying that it hasn't been there, but ever since the last dance released, there there's been so many debates, discussions about who who who's the greatest player to play the play in the NBA. I mean, the two names that obviously pop up is Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Would you have a third player in the discussion, or would you who would you pick among these two? I think Michael Jordan is the goal. Kobe Bryant is a close second. LeBron James' story is still being written. Um, I don't think I don't think that it's fair to compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James because they're two different players. Um, LeBron James plays more like Magic Johnson. He is a, a more chiseled Magic Johnson with the Oscar Robertson flair. He also plays like Penny Hardaway and Scottie Pippen. Um, I think. Make, if, you, if you make a steak in the oven, you can't compare your steak to Ruth Chris. But at the same time, how can you compare a well-done steak to a medium-well steak? That's not fair. Yeah, completely. Um, I think LeBron James is this generation's Michael Jordan, but he's not Michael Jordan. And I don't think that championship should be the only way that you um, compare um, greatness. I think there are some other there are some other um, other things there, um, I, but I also think um, LeBron James is a throwback to so many other players. Um, I, I think LeBron James at times plays like Michael. At times he plays like Kobe. At times with his back to the basket, he plays like Charles Barkley. Um, the way he pushes the break as a 6'8 freight train. There are things about his game that when he gets to the basket, holds the ball, and, and, and lays it in, it reminds me of, of watching Stefan Marbury, who could, who could bulldoze his way to the cup. I, I think that we as a society and as a basketball community oftentimes feel like everybody has to go to a certain box. I think LeBron is the great of his era. Michael Jordan was the great of his era. But I also think that if I also think that somebody like Isaiah Thomas doesn't get the credit he deserves, 
because he was Torres Achilles at 32 years old. And I think because of that, um, Michael Jordan was given the baton from Magic Johnson, who, you know, was HIV positive um, and retired, and Larry Bird, who was old and had back issues. But let's not let's not take anything away from the greatness that was the Pistons with Isaiah. I think I think the Bulls finally got it right and they beat him. But I but I also think that um, Michael was was good in his time. He played against a, a Lakers team that you know was past their prime. Uh, but still had names on that team, Magic Johnson. And you're talking about 91, Magic Johnson, uh, Sam Perkins, um, um, and, and some of the other guys on that team. Uh, but I, I do think that when it's your time, it's your time. They finally got past the Pistons, and, and Michael won multiple NBA championships with Scottie Pippen, Carlos Grant, Dennis Rodman. But LeBron James, like I said, he's a freelancer for hire, and by himself took multiple teams to the NBA Finals. And, um, you know, many are hoping that this will continue with Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, just a couple of quick questions before we conclude our wonderful chat. Uh, so, the opening night of the NBA's return, the Lakers are playing the Clippers. Certainly going to be a blockbuster. Everyone's waiting for it. But the Clippers, at the moment, are leading two and in the season's head-to-head. So, uh, how, how do you think that will impact the momentum when the Lakers, you know, go onto the court? Would would they, you know, get inspired, you know, that they're down in the head-to-head record? Would you think they'd use that as, uh, as an advantage? Well, you know, I, I think that when we look at the previous three meetings against the Lakers and Clippers, story lines were so rich. So you look at the, you look at, I was in Los Angeles when they played the first game um, and, and at Staples Center. Scoop B Radio. Andy Green led the Lakers with 28 points. Anthony Davis and LeBron James were still figuring out this whole pick and roll thing, you know, and throughout the course of the season, Anthony Davis and I have like this running joke. He told me um, that LeBron told him that they're not quite a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're more like a peanut butter and banana sandwich. They haven't quite made that adjustment yet. So every time I see Anthony Davis, I'll say, yo, y'all peanut butter and jelly sandwich yet? Said, not yet. We almost did. We almost did. Um, and so when you look at the Christmas game, those were a couple lapses on offense and defense. Um, and when you look at the first game, they still were without, they, they didn't have Kuzma, they didn't have Rondo, they didn't have DeMarcus Cutter. In the second game, um, they did have Kuzma, they just didn't figure it out. Third game got postponed because of Kobe's death, and that game was played on a Friday night on ESPN and the Lakers got the win. They did have Amara Swim. They did have uh, waiters who didn't play. And they had Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who if you can keep a secret, I think they, they kind of had maybe not peanut butter, but maybe some almond butter and, 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 some, and, some, and some Smucker's jam. Uh, don't tell them I said that, though. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think when you look at the third game, I think the third game was more – even though the Clippers lost, was more indicative upon what their true roster looked like. If you look at the Clippers, they added um, some key pieces. Joe King Noah, they added the Morris Swing, they added, you know, some other pieces there. So I think this last game on the 30th will exemplify finished rosters on both ends. But I still don't think that that matchup, I think people put pressure on it. Whoever wins this matchup is the NBA champion. Calm down. 
It's still a regular season game. There's a long road ahead. There's a lot more going into it. And so, it's going to be cool. The first game, opening night. Second game, Christmas. Third game, the Kobe. You know, they they replaced that, that, that game after Kobe passed. Last game, the bubble. Man, if this isn't about as high school as it comes with different storylines, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm excited to see it on the 30th for sure. I, I, I just have one more question to ask you as a fan. You've, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of players in the NBA from your experience. So, you know, you know a lot of them who are strong in their own aspect. So, uh, so if you had the chance to build a perfect player, so let me, let me give you five, four aspects. So, the best shooting ability, the best passer, uh, you know, the best defender and the one with the best work ethic. So, who do you choose? Who do you combine to, you know, form the best so NBA what player? What do I use to build my perfect player? You can, you can fuse four different players. Like, you can, you, it's like, it's like you'll be borrowing their strength if you had to do it. Right out. Passing, Jason Kidd. What were the other two? Uh, defending and work ethic. Defense, Ron Artest, Metal World Peace. Because I, I want to play with a little hood in him. <laughs> I still remember that three-pointer from the finals. Yeah. What was the last one? You said defense. What was the last one? And, and then the work ethic. Um, I'm sorry for giving you a tough one. Yeah, because I'm thinking of three different people as you're yeah. saying that. There, there are so many, you know. I'm going to keep it back to the reason why I fell in love with basketball in 1991. Work ethic would be Michael Jordan. So shooting Ray Allen, um, deep, passing Jason Kidd, defense Metal World Peace, uh, work ethic Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That's that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you for answering that question. I mean, and overall, thank you for your time, Mr. Robinson. It's it's indeed been a wonderful chat. I think I've learned a lot from what you had to share with us. I'm sure you know our viewers who are watching this live will also be you know totally engaged with the conversation you 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 certainly are you know well experienced in your field and uh, i hope your podcast you know runs more successfully in the coming years and 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 and, and i definitely hope that you invite barack obama onto your show one day yes sir yes sir brother it was an honor thank you for the opportunity and i learned something from you i learned that basketball truly is a global game. And it's interesting to talk to other people in other countries. Indeed. They're not just fans of the skill, but they're fans of the personality. That's something that I find internationally. There is, people overseas or, or, or another country are in tune with the personality, sometimes more than the actual skill play. It's like wrestling to me. Yeah. I mean, Sport is always loved everywhere and anywhere. There's no boundaries to it, right? That's the beauty of it. Word. So, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Robinson. It's indeed been a pleasure to, you know, get the time to chat with you. My man, thank you for letting me be myself. Thank you, sir. It's our pleasure.
And this is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.